this is such an important step in our understanding the gospel to its fullest. Because if we think for a moment, oh, I just need to work hard and do good works. And if I do enough good works and if I read the Bible enough, then I will experience a richer relationship with Jesus. I'll have more of the Spirit. It's a small nuance, but it's so significant to look that as Paul and Timothy pray for this church, they ask for the Spirit first. You're listening to Mountain View Church Audio. My name's Jeremy, and I'm a local pastor here in Whitehorse, Yukon Territory. Each week, we bring you a fresh message designed to help you encounter Jesus through biblical instruction. You don't have to know anything about the Bible. We're just glad you're here. What do you do? This is a... uh... This is a common question after we first meet someone. We, we find out names, either we introduce ourselves, hi, my name's so-and-so, or, or you ask, oh, what's your name? The second question typically in Western society is, what do you do? And how do you answer that? Sometimes it's career-based and you, you state, you know, well, I'm a, I'm a plumber or I'm a teacher, I'm a doctor, or maybe you default to what you do recreationally. I'm an artist, I'm a hunter, I'm a fisherman, I'm a, uh, I'm a Yukoner, maybe, maybe that's it. But why, why so often what we do becomes who we are? Like, are we okay with that? Are we okay that the central idea of who we are is maybe the career we have or what we do in recreation time? Is that really the best thing to describe who we are? Is that central? Really? And if it changes, if we go to a different career, does that mean everything we are changes? But see, this Western idea, it slips into Christianity too. Uh, It slips into the church because we can start to get to the point where what we do becomes why or how we're a Christian and in who we are. You know, I'm, am I a Christian because uh, I'm a churchgoer? Am I a Christian uh, because I'm a prayer warrior or a Bible scholar? Am I a Christian because, because I champion social justice? Or uh, am I a Christian because of fill in the blank? I do this, therefore I'm a Christian. If this were really the truth, I don't really know why Jesus had to die. And this is actually the central problem of the Colossian church. We've been going through a series, or in the second week, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Because what had happened in the Colossian church is they started to add all sorts of spiritual stuff, the things that they did, and that became central. And at the first, you know, when they first came to know, know Jesus, it was, a, it was a church movement, evangelization, and, and people started getting the freedom of Christ. But soon, soon people started saying, oh no, because you're a Christian or because you follow Jesus or the way you do this and you do this and you do this. And it started to define them. And, and so Paul wrote a letter to the Colossians, which we're looking at over the next few months. But before he unpacks all the specific problems, we see in verse 1 that he, he tells them that he's praying for them. Paul and Timothy are praying for this church, and in this prayer, he really outlines and, and summarizes so much of what the problems are, and he, and he really gets central. He's talking to God on their behalf, and, and as he speaks to them, he opens up really 
a, a Pandora's box of, of questioning on whether or not Christianity is really just becoming another religion or whether or not it's something totally different. And I think it's really important for the Western church to hear. I think the Colossian church and the Western church probably had a lot of similarities in this regard. That it's not so much the spiritual stuff we do, but that the Spirit himself given through Jesus. So let's start this out. Uh, If you have a Bible with you, Colossians 1, we're going to start at verse 9. So Paul starts with the Spirit. Uh, Paul and Timothy, so he's saying, and so from the day we heard, so the day that they heard that the Colossian church had been planted and that uh, the Holy Spirit is moving in the Colossian, in in Coloss, the city in Colossae, he says, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And here's what he's asking God. He says, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let's pause right there. He's asking him and Timothy as they pray, they're thinking, okay, we're going to sit down. Let's pray for a moment about the Colossian church. Let's think about this church. And we've received letters. We've received uh, information on what's going on there. And as we pray, here's going to be the foundation of our prayer. God, what they need, they need your will revealed to them in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, comma. That's the foundation. When they go to speak to God, about the Colossian church, the first thing they ask is that his will would be known to them through the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's work. The Holy Spirit giving wisdom and understanding. But it's interesting. After that comma, it says in verse 10, it says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Bearing fruit in good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, most of us would agree is a really good thing, correct? Right? A Christian that bears fruit and a Christian that increases in the knowledge of God, these are beautiful things. This is great stuff, really great spiritual stuff. However, it's important to note that this isn't how Paul prayed. He didn't pray, Lord, let them do good works and increase in knowledge of you so that they might gain spiritual wisdom and understanding and know your will. That is not how he prayed. He prayed that that the Colossian church would obtain God's will through spiritual wisdom and understanding so, comma, so they can bear good works, bear fruit in good works, and increase the knowledge of God. And this is such an important, vital step in our understanding the gospel to its fullest. Because if we think for a moment, oh, I just need to work hard and do good works. And if I do enough good works, and if I read the Bible enough, and if I go to seminary, and, and I, get a, I get a doctorate in theology, and then, then I will experience a richer relationship with Jesus. I'll have more of the Spirit. Jesus will mean more to me if I can do a ton of good works and increase my knowledge. And, and it's a small nuance But it's so significant to look that as Paul and Timothy pray for this church, they ask for the Spirit first. And out of the Spirit flows the good works and knowledge. And it continues. Again, as as they're praying for it, 
knowledge of God, and then in 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Strength, power, so much strength and power from God that we can endure and be patient. Now, in the outside world, hey, maybe someone is just one of those types of people, they pull up their bootstraps, keep their chin up, and they're strong, they're powerful, and they can endure a trial, and they can be patient. But with joy, this is the strange connection of Christianity. To joyfully endure and to joyfully be patient, to face a trial, to, to be in a difficult place, and yet instead of moaning and whining and being sorrowful about it, to be joyful. This is part of what comes with God giving his will, the Holy Spirit's wisdom and understanding coming first, and then this. Now again, here's a slippery slope that happens sometimes in churches. We think, I'm facing a trial, I just need to endure, I just need to be patient, I need to be strong, I need to be powerful, and if I do all those things, well then I'll have an increased sense of the Spirit. Wrong. That's religion. Again, Paul would have prayed that. He would have said, Father, please help the Colossian church be strong and powerful and endure and be patient so that they might be filled with spiritual wisdom and knowledge and know your will. That is not how he prayed. And again, this prayer is setting the Colossian church up for dealing with issues. His prayer, in his prayer, and what he's been praying for this church is really unpacking the problem. That you can get so busy with spiritual stuff that you actually forget where it comes from. And this idea starts to sink in that it's like, maybe if I just do more, if I study once more at Bible study, if I go to church one more time, if I pray a, you know, over one more meal, if I do this, then, then I'll experience more of the Spirit. It doesn't work like that. And this this in lies the burden of putting stuff before spirit. Because some people come to know Jesus and they get brought in the church. And they get in the church and then all of a sudden someone sets them up and says, okay, well now that you're a Christian, here's what you need to do. And they lay out for them this list of demands of everything they do, everything they're supposed to not say and say. And by the way, don't you dare eat before you pray because then it won't taste good anymore. There's a verse on it, believe me. I'm lying. There's not. <laughs> Heresy. And, and we, we do that. Someone comes to Jesus, they've experienced the freedom of the gospel, their sins have been forgiven, they have this joy about them, and then the church wants to be the first one to crush it. And then they're thinking, oh my goodness, I can't keep up with my regular life, now I have this whole list of duties that are added to my day and added to my week, and now, why did I ever join this religion? And that's just what it is. Because in the old covenant, that's what it was, a list of things that must be done in order to be worthy to God, in order to maintain a holy status, and it slips into Christianity, and again, if we still have to do a whole pile of stuff, good stuff, great stuff. It's amazing to study the Bible. It's amazing to pray to God. It's amazing to worship. It's amazing to serve and, 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 and to do stuff for God. It's beautiful. 
It's amazing, but if the reason we do it is out of guilt and burden and obligation so that maybe, just maybe, we'll get a better status with God and we'll be close to him, we, we miss the gospel. Jesus came and died on the cross. He, he died and he gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us everything. It's our inheritance. You cannot reach a higher status. This is why the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers, and I'm always going on about you guys being priests, and sometimes you're like, I don't like it when he says that. I know. It's because religion has slipped into the church. You you can't get any better than you are. The Holy Spirit, given as your inheritance, brings you into the highest status. You have leveled up to the top. You can't go anymore. Game's done. And this is why Paul is praying. This is why he's saying, may they please know your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So, and then he lists all the good things. Because if we try to just earn our way to a closer experience with the Spirit, it's fleeting. We just end up being burdened. Instead, what would it look like if every day we just stopped and just said, Spirit, help me know your will today. I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I want to make sure I'm doing it in the right reasons. What I do today is not going to define me. I'm defined by what happened at the cross, and I'm defined that you are in my heart and mind now. And so I pause and listen to you. And may that lead my day. I want to invite Gary Lewis uh, up. He has a story that I'd like him to tell. Uh, Gary's been at our church for a little while now. And uh, he's got a sore hip, I think. Is that right, Gary? Five years ago, uh, he had an event in his life that, um, that caused how he thinks and acts. And um, as another little bit of an announcement, the elders have actually recommended Gary for, uh, to join the pastor elder team in this next year. And so you'll hear more about that in the next little while. But um, I'm going to hold that. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. Welcome, Gary, huh? You can feel free to use the table if you want for your notes there. Yeah, go for it. Good to see everybody here this morning. And it's always good to be in the house of the Lord and to worship Him. I, uh, so far, have enjoyed the uh, service that Jeremy has presented here this morning. And uh, uh, we kind of started planning this on Monday and uh, finished it up. It was very late as this morning, so I was trying to figure out my thoughts and what I was going to say was going to fit into the sermon here, and it looks like it's going to come together pretty good. So <laughs> if you can uh, bear with me, and uh, I'll start by saying that uh, what I've got to say, it's here to honor the Lord. It's not really about me, but it's some experiences that I have learned and uh, am very happy and content with. So I am grateful to be able to share some of these personal experiences and hope that it will be encouraging to each one in your walk with the Lord. Fair to say we all have challenges and issues in our life, and it could be matters of uh, serious concerns such as sickness, family members lost their way in their relationship with the Lord, or a host of 
other problems. So I want to talk about the Holy Spirit working in us. And I'm just going to set up what I'm going to say here with some scripture and with some other facts here that I have found and uh, evidence of the Holy Spirit working in us. And I believe that there are three indications that give evidence of the Holy Spirit working in us. And one, we can say, uh, a hunger to know the Lord. And by the Holy Spirit, Christ will become central in our life. Hunger to be Christ-like. In Galatians 5, 22 and 3, Paul lists the fruit of the spirits, those things that are the character of Christ, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And a hunger to serve the Lord, remembering he is not our servant for our desires and agenda, but we are his servants for his agenda and will. And this one other little thought that I stuck in here this morning when reading my devotional here. It says, the evidence of Jesus Christ in our life is not that we are perfect, but that we have an appetite to do right. From this comes a deep sense of fullness and satisfaction with Christ. So if we can fast forward just a little bit from that, uh, there's a few comments on my personal side. I grew up in a Christian home on a dairy farm on the east coast of uh, Nova Scotia. Father was saved and raised us up uh, to know and love the Lord from an early age. I think I was about 10. And uh, despite being saved, I, I have to say I did not always honor the Lord for a significant part of my life. But I thank and praise the Lord for his patience with me and bringing me back to him. I continued to grow in the Lord and love him, but I knew... I needed a closer relationship with him, which is something that uh, perhaps we all struggle with from time to time. But for me, it was a concern, and I wanted to uh, make it better. So back uh, be two years ago in October past, my birthday actually on the 26th of October, I woke up at 3 in the morning with... Uh, a pain in my chest, and uh, after laying there for a few minutes, I realized that it was not going to go away, and it uh, diagnosed, uh, showed that I was experiencing a heart attack. So it became clear to me that the Lord was in charge of my life. Uh, prayerful support from family and friends saw me through, and the staff at St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver there put me all back together again, and so much so that I came through it with no damage to my heart, which I am quite grateful for. Needless to say, the, the convalescing period was uh, more of a challenge for me than what the heart attack itself was. And um, that's at the point where I realized that the Lord was in charge of my life and my future. My faith during this convalescence period was strengthened. My relationship with the Lord has become closer and I have grown in my desire to love and to serve him more. I also realized during this period that uh, the Christian life is not about me living for the Lord, but letting the Lord live in and through me. And by doing that, I was living the Christian life. I'll just read that a little sh uh, again there for those that might have 
thought I would lost my uh, thoughts here, but I realized that at this time, I realized that Christian life is not about me living for the Lord, but letting the Lord live in and through me. And by doing that, I was living the Christian life. The closer we go to God, the more he will reveal his heart and his purposes and his desires. And lastly, my prayer for myself is to learn to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life, and not just for important matters, but all matters. And in doing that, I discovered it is liberating to totally surrender to the Lord. And I have to say that I am a work in progress. The sinful nature we are born with is always there. But thankfully, the Lord is there too to hold us in the palm of his hand, remind us we are loved and secure in him through his Son and indwelling spirit. And just one quick comment on allowing the Lord to lead in our life through the Holy Spirit. It, it took the stress out of my life trying to think, well, what should I be doing and how should I be doing it and what should my thoughts be on some particular issues? I just I learned to take it to the Lord and, and let the Lord make those decisions and that's where the, the surrender and the liberating um, confidence and satisfaction and uh, peace came. So thanks for the time uh, that you've given me to uh, express that to her, and I trust that uh, it may be some uh, encouragement to all of us here that we are all a work in progress and let the Lord do the work. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks. Phil doesn't need that anymore. Thanks, Gary. So it's interesting to hear that, 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 that a heart attack kind of slowed him down. But uh, in that, kind of a second chance at life, so to speak, he, he, Gary realizes that it, it's, as he said twice there, it, it's not him doing the, the Christian stuff, you know, doing things for the Lord, doing things for God. It's, it's allowing, it's a totally different shift that that to pause each morning and to say, okay, Holy Spirit, what would you want of me today? What, what do I need to experience? Or what do you want me to experience? And then move forward. And it's a radical shift. And to be honest, this is, this is really what the gospel is. It's humanity's nature to want to shift back to religion, shift back to doing, to do this and this and this and this so that I experience spirituality. That's our default. That's actually, that stems from the, from the sin nature. It's, it's the legalistic way. It's the old self that, that has a propensity to want to do that. It's different. It's, it's counter-religious to pause and say, I'm actually not going to do anything because I've already arrived. And this whole concept is why Paul, in his prayer, comes back to the central point, wants to remind the Colossian church where the whole thing started. In verse 12 to 14, he says, giving thanks to the Father. So he's talking about the Spirit, the Father's there. This is a beautiful Trinity passage, Father, Son, and Spirit. And he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. So important. You don't qualify yourself. 
the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Perfection. He's qualified you for perfection. How did he do it? He says it here in 19. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred to us to the kingdom of his beloved son. It's coming all back to Jesus. And in the last line, in whom? In Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Before we ever get the spirit, we got the son. And it's so important to understand this. The redemption, that's freedom. That word redemption is freedom. You are free from all the duties that you think you have to do to gain access to God. That at the cross, Jesus took with him all the sin to which we're forgiven, right? Redemption and forgiveness. They're together. You're forgiven, so you don't have to do anything to make up for your sin. And you're maybe thinking, oh, Jeremy, you don't know how bad I am. You don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. On the cross, he fully, fully paid for everything. So you're fully forgiven. So the redemption and forgiveness together, it's perfect. It's beautiful because the person who keeps trying to work for God to gain a higher status, no, you've been redeemed. You can't get any higher. For the person who thinks that they're never going to be good enough and they continue to work to try to just get to, get to subpar status, you're forgiven. No, you've already been raised higher than you ever believed that you can go. In redemption and forgiveness, you are perfect you're worthy, you're whole, you're, you're holy, you, you are infinitely greater than you can ever imagine you are in status of God. There is nothing you have to do to get any closer to the Spirit than how you are. That in the moment where we say, Father, I believe that I'm a sinner, I believe that you sent your Son to die for me, you paid the price for me, and that three days later you rose to conquer the sin that, that indwelled in my life, and, and then you ascended to heaven to prepare a place for me. And I have all that out of nothing to do with me and everything to do with you. And I thank you, I give thanks, just like Paul saying, give thanks to the Father who has bestowed upon us. He gave a gift, a free gift, nothing of us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Freedom. And I understand. I, I, I get it. I, I, fully, I fully understand. If you think as a pastor you're not tempted to work to Jesus, it's the worst. You think every Sunday, you know, a Sunday passes and I start Monday, start studying. Do you think I don't have to check myself every Monday morning that I'm not just doing this to, as my duty as a pastor or because I'm a pastor? Well, you're a pastor, therefore studying. Yes, it's my job, but if I ever just do this as a job, I'm resigning. Every Monday morning, I have got to pause and allow the Spirit Right in my sermon outline, the first thing in my rough outline, it's just, it's just, it's just pray, read the, pa- or read the passage, pray, read the passage. That's it. I don't look at any concordances, no dictionaries, no commentaries, because the moment, the moment I start trying to look into the Greek before I just paused in the spirit, I'm, I'm backwards. Now I'm just trying to obtain knowledge so that I can maybe give other Christians a way that that they can see God. 
It's backwards. Exactly. Preach it. Amen. It's backwards. The Spirit. Jesus died to release us from the bondage of legalism, and we keep trying to tab it on ourselves constantly. But the Spirit says you're free. This morning, just get up like Gary C. and just say, Lord, what would you want me to do? There's a list of duties in the back of my head, but I just want to push them aside. There's a renovation going downstairs. May no one, Maren, I'm not going to tell anyone to not renovate, just so we're clear, a little bit of caveat there. Jeremy gave the service on not serving, and everyone quit. No. If we go down there and we help Marilyn revitalize our children's space, and we do it out of guilt and obligation and duty, we missed it. If we go downstairs and whether we paint or drywall or fix something to make this children's space more beautiful for our kids, more engaging for our kids, before we do that, we had better, we had better stop and just remember, Spirit, if I do this, may it just be because of you. May this work be an outflowing of the gospel in my life. And I understand that whether I paint this wall or I don't, I have no greater or worse status in who I am to you. I am loved like a son or daughter in the kingdom because of Jesus. And as a part of the family of God, I just want just to paint this wall because I'm thankful for being here. But if I don't paint the wall, I'm no better or worse than if I had it. And this goes for everything, folks. This goes for uh, when we read the Bible. This goes for when we pray. This goes for every single Christian spiritual thing we do. We do it out of an outflowing of the gospel in our life, of the freedom we have. We don't do one thing out of a have-to. We do it because we want to. And I hope that makes sense. And uh, I'll invite the music team back up. And even as we reflect today, I think, it, I think it's so fitting. If you stand and sing today, don't do it because you're in church and you have to. If you decide to stand and sing, do it because that's what, that's what you want to do. Because the Holy Spirit, you're just thankful for the sealing of the Spirit. You're thankful for the cross. And that's what you want to do. If you just sit and reflect and pray, that's fine too. If you give money to our church to help us teach more people about Jesus, if you want to do that, that's great. But if you just came here and you're like, well, I got to go to church, got to give my money in the plate, don't. Keep your money in your pocket because you missed it. We give out of the outflowing of the Spirit and the realization of the gospel that Jesus gave everything so that we would have to give nothing. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Highest status a human can ever get to before God because of the cross. Nothing else. And if anyone ever tells you you need to earn your way to Jesus, it's false teaching. Tell them they're a heretic and tell them Jeremy said so. Because the moment, the moment we have to do something is the moment the cross is not meaningful enough. It's the moment that the beautiful cross is not good enough. It has to be all sufficient or God never would have sent his son and we would still just be in orthodox Judaism and would still be working the old covenant way. 
And so today as we respond, please, please respond in the Spirit as the Spirit leads you. Not as any way you have to. And this week, just try that. Try what Gary's example was where, you know, he's told me he, since his heart attack, he just gets up in the morning and he just, he just has a moment with the Spirit and says, what's your will for me today? What do you want me to do today? And if you've ever been in Tim Hortons and he doesn't know you're a Christian, he might have told you about Jesus by accident. Because <laughs> that's one of the things that Gary is. He's an evangelist. He's in the Tim Hortons witnessing field. It's amazing to see. And so many times, he's an amazing example. But again, it, it, it doesn't flow out of because he has to. It flows out of the Holy Spirit just saying, hey, I want you to talk to this person. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. May it be an example for us. Dear Father, if anyone here doesn't know you, I just pray that you would show them, open their eyes to the value, the amazing value of obtaining the inheritance of the Holy Spirit. We thank you so much <laughs> that you looked down at us and you loved us and you saw that we weren't good enough, that we couldn't get, work our way to a high enough status so that you sent your son the beautiful gospel, Lord, that on the cross you made a way so that we wouldn't feel the burden of doing good and adding spiritual things, but that we would experience freedom. Father, may you release any bondage or burden in our church, anyone who feels that they have to do something to earn their way to you. Father, I'd ask that through your spirit you would, you would bring the freedom of the gospel in a fresh new way to our church. May we be a vibrant, authentic people that's not working our way to God, but that experiences God every day of our life just because of the cross. Father, I just, I just ask that you continue to use our church to bring revival to Whitehorse. I thank you for Marilyn and her team doing such a great work downstairs to bring the gospel to our children in a fresh way. As they're here, Lord, may they, may their small minds, may they never, ever feel the bondage of religion. May we as parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts and family friends, may we bring our children up understanding the freedom of the gospel. May you, may you save our children. May you send your spirit and, and bring revival to our children's ministry. Use Marilyn and Dana and Carolee and Nicole leading the different ages. And as they lead, bring them wisdom as they prepare lessons and as they interact with the children, with their workers and their teams. Thank you so much for all the, the different people using their gifts and abilities to transform downstairs. We're excited to see it in a couple weeks, Lord. But we ask that you give them a blessing. And, and whether they are painting or fixing something or building something, that as they do it, they would just feel that the joy of the Spirit and that that and that alone would just fill them. Father, as we sing this next song, as we proclaim that we are forgiven, that you have written us in your book as forgiven, that the debt is paid, that we owe you nothing, that Jesus paid it all. May we, may we be able to fully comprehend that and 
it seems so hard. It, it seems almost impossible to, to figure that we have to do nothing to gain such a high status. But as we read those words, as we sing those words, as we listen, that we're forgiven, that you have written it at the cross. May that, may that cause us to change how we think about everything. Transform our church to become church of freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Mountain View Church Audio. If God has used this message to impact your life today, I'd love to hear about it. Drop me a message at jeremy at mountainviewwhitehorse.ca or on your favorite social network at Pastor Jeremy Norton. To get connected with Mountain View Church or to support Mountain View Ministries through a financial gift, please visit mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. That's mountainviewwhitehorse.ca.